Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like a full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. All from TireRack.com. TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming from the beautiful, sunny, crisp, cool city of Los Angeles, California. We've got a great show for you. Chris Mannix is going to join us in 20 minutes from Yahoo Sports. We'll figure out what he thinks is wrong with the Celtics and how fixable it is. We'll also get his sense of after All-Star Weekend, if the recruiting weekend worked for LeBron James to the L.A. Lakers. More on that to come. Bill Self is going to join us in an hour and 20 minutes. I'll ask him about this wild season that Kansas had. Uh, Jim Jackson is going to join us. So we got a, we got a bunch. Got a bunch of things to get to. But I want to start with a story which broke last night and has the entire sports world talking. It's a hashtag me too type of story. And it's supposed to be salacious in its details. It's supposed to make you think that the NBA has the exact same problems that Hollywood has. And it does. Only it doesn't. Uh, in it is details of alleged domestic abuse and sexual harassment by a couple of members of the Dallas Mavericks front office, one by a beat writer employed by the team, which in and of itself is suspicious, right? The whole idea of a beat writer is supposed to, you're supposed to work for a newspaper, but now teams have their own websites and have their own beat writers for those websites. So even though you're as a beat writer supposed to be working for the reader, in reality, you're working for the team. So you're not actually a beat writer. Calling a writer for Mavericks.com a beat writer is offensive to any legitimate beat writer. Because you don't work for the fan, you work for the team. You're nothing but a Baghdad Bob, a propaganda specialist. Regardless of which, uh, the, the former CEO of the Mavericks is accused of multiple 
occurrence of sexual harassment by current and former employees. Now, look, it is never okay to make women or even men feel uncomfortable in the workplace. Just not. It's not okay to be a domestic abuser and not have it uh, be and not have some sort of ramifications at work. And if you read this article, there there are, in fact, details which are alarming in that Mark Cuban and the Mavericks signed off on this former beat writer. I don't even want to call him a beat writer. Writer for Mavericks.com coming back to work for the Mavericks after having allegedly abused a coworker who he had a live-in relationship with. Right? They had one of those toxic relationships. He abused her. She went to the cops. He ended up pleading down, went and got therapy. It got dismissed. Several years later, had another relationship, and there was another incident. And only now has Mark Cuban realized that there was a mistake in only taking his word for it and having him go to therapy. But that's not to me. We're burying the lead here. Again, let's let's start with the most important thing. It ain't okay, dudes. Okay, it's not okay to treat women like anything other than your equal. It's not okay to sexually harass women. It's not okay to tell them that their job's at stake if they if they if they say something about your treatment towards them. These things are not okay. But if you want to, if you the, the problem with the piece is. It says that there was a locker room culture, but in the meat of the piece, it actually says that the locker room was a refuge for people in the organization. Thankfully, there are not coaches. There are not players. There are not scouts. There are not basketball people named. And so while it is headline grabbing, it is interesting. And frankly, for Mark Cuban, a guy who I've always felt like is, if anything, too honest. Yesterday, we ripped Mark Cuban for exposing that he's part of Tank Club. And the first rule of Tank Club is don't talk about Tank Club. He talks about all kinds of things you shouldn't talk about when you're an owner. This was something that he talked nothing about. All these things are bad, but there is no culture of locker room behavior if the locker room is your refuge. If there are no accusations after a long and really thought out, um, well-written piece of journalism by sports illustrated like i i find i'm not finding fault with what they've what they've investigated and what they found i'm missing the smoking gun that makes me think there is a cultural problem with the mavericks right that that therein lies the problem do i think there's a cultural problem in hollywood with all these you, me too stories like yeah, I, th- I think it's fair. It's unfair because there's hundreds of thousands of actors and actresses I haven't heard from, but there's obviously some really bad dudes. When I read the piece about the Dallas Mavericks, I think, you know, in our workplace here at uh, Premier Radio, we not only employ all Fox Sports Radio affiliates, uh, Fox Sports Radio talent, but we also employ Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, and others. And my guess is that in our lit hundreds of uh, hundreds of or thousands of employees, there's probably a domestic abuser, probably a sexual harasser. There's probably almost there's most definitely an alcoholic, a gambling addict. Like there are all these. So you can't t- I, I couldn't possibly tell you that this doesn't occur in my workplace. It probably does. I'm and for the Mavericks, they're disgusted by it. But I actually think the NBA, especially the NBA players and NBA coaches, end up looking bad, even though it's completely, they should look good if you read the story. Nobody reads the story. Like locker room culture, mavericks, sexual harassers, you know, players. Players are players, right? And yet in the meat of it, there is no discussion about players sexually harassing, verbally harassing, domestically harassing anybody. Which also leads me to the last point. At what point are we going to rename it locker room culture? Because if it doesn't occur in a locker room, well, then how then is it part of a locker room culture? It's like cliche 
1970s, 1980s, what we thought or maybe think locker rooms were like. Whereas now, dudes get back to their locker room and they're on their cell phone. Guys are not just multimillionaires. You have a billionaire in the locker room. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's some guys that are into some shady stuff in locker rooms. But the idea that it's locker room culture when it didn't occur inside the locker room brings a question to what exactly is locker room culture these days? So, um, I look at I look at Mark Cuban and he looks bad, but I also believe that Mark Cuban has has earned the equity to fix whatever has been wrong with the Mavericks. And when he says we didn't take it seriously enough, I actually think that's fair. I think it's honest. I think you do take people's word for it. You want to believe in the best in people. So did he know? I guess. Did he investigate enough? Probably not. And we saw it with the NFL, right? Like Roger Gale didn't do nothing when, or it wasn't that he didn't do anything when uh, Janae uh, uh, Rice got knocked out. He suspended Ray Rice for two games. And while now that looks like two games, what a joke. At the time, that was the longest suspension anybody ever gotten. There was no precedent for any suspension longer than two games. So society is continuing to evolve on our uh, sordid past. How we look at men and women working together and dating while in, uh, while in the workplace. But don't excuse the behavior, but also don't lump the Dallas Mavericks players, coaches, personnel really in with them. This is a couple of bad guys who did some bad things and are rightfully being called out for it. But I struggle to find the cultural connection. The When you're casting a shadow over the entire organization, I feel like that's unfair. Because what we've learned is in any workplace, there seems to be a portion of people, a portion of men who don't know how to treat women. There seems to be a portion of men who are in charge who want to use that power for their betterment outside of the workplace. And those guys slowly but surely will get rid of. But I struggle to find the cultural thing. But it's weird. You see Mavericks, you see locker room behavior. If you don't read the story, wouldn't you assume? And I would guess there's a lot of people who are going to sit there and assume ah, the Mavericks locker room culture, hitting on chicks, holding it against them. You know, there's zero accusations of that. It's actually the opposite of that. Fascinating. Just, I don't know, we're in a fascinating place to which I like that, you know, I like that women have the ability to call out guys that are creeps but I do think that we need to catch our breath. And before we assume this is no different than um, some of the accusations against Michigan state, what Larry Nasser did is disgusting. It's disgusting. It's an abuse of power an abuse of young girls, mature girls. I mean, like it's just, the whole thing is disgraceful, disgusting. And you know, while we don't execute people for what he is convicted of, I don't think any of us would, ever say like, yeah, I'm really against his, his execution. You just wouldn't. It's evil. And to get evil off the earth, I'm okay with. And there have been many, there, there have been enough accusations against Michigan State football players, some Michigan State basketball players, to look at their behavior and think it's disgraceful. But I struggle with that to find the uh, cultural issue with Michigan State basketball and football. I just did. If you want to say it's a cultural issue with men, especially young men in college campuses, okay. And by exposing it and by holding, holding young men accountable, we'll begin the process of relearning. Because, I mean, I, I thought I always learned. I just I thought you knew that, right? 
But apparently that's not the case. And the good in social media is we can expose people. The other other point to be cautious about, and one of the guys is accused is like, look, part of what you've read, I don't uh, is is not is you know it's like the hearse that he said she said. I don't know. I didn't want to get into it because I don't care. I don't. Mark Cuban should have cared. Does care now? There'll be some sort of league penalty. But I read the entire story last night, and I said, no players, no coaches, no scouts. While there's a problem. Let's not act like this is a cultural locker room problem when there's nothing within the locker room and the opposite is actually said within the story. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Saw this story from Peter King. Andrew Luck is confident, as are the Colts, that he won't need more surgery on his shoulder. That sounds good, right? Good. Luck told uh, Peter King... That is not an option for me right now, surgery. That ship has sailed. Luck is in California. Talk with him via FaceTime. He's working with Tom House, which all these quarterbacks, by the way, are out here. Goff is out here. Obviously, he lives out. But Goff and Mitch Trubisky, I know, are working with Tom House. and They're all the quarterback who are all the drafted guys that are going to get drafted. I don't know if you saw the, uh, was it Johnny Menzel trying to make a comeback? Do you see that video music? See the video of him throwing a, a fly pat, what looked like a, now look like a uh, deep post. I did not see the Manziel video. Yeah, there's a Manziel video. If you watch, that's at UCLA's practice facility. So they're all out here. Anyway, Tom House seems confident that Luck will be able to throw without restriction this spring. Wait a second, what? He said this, uh, Andrew Luck said, I'm in the middle of throwing, a, uh, uh, I'm in the middle of a little bit of throwing. Wait, a little bit of throwing? Now, I understand that Josh McDaniels looks bad for pulling out of the the Colts job. I, I I get it. And once you fail at one job and then go to the altar and turn down your bride at another job, there are some that believe Josh McDaniels better hope he gets the Patriots jobs next because there might not be another job out there for him. I dispute that. I would say, like, look, Dana Altman, for example, who is the Oregon head coach, once upon a time, he was at Creighton. He left for Arkansas, was there like a week, didn't like it, came back to Creighton. And people were like, well, they'll never get him out of Creighton. Nobody's going to call. Oregon called, took him to the Final Four last year. Greg Marshall's the coach of Wichita State. Once upon a time, accepted the job at College of Charleston where he had been an assistant uh, under John Cress, I think was his name. And he was at Winthrop. Driving back to get all his stuff from Rock Hill, South Carolina, changed his mind. Nobody's ever going to hire him. Wichita State did. They've been to a Final Four. So we've seen others change their mind. Obviously, we saw Bill Belichick change his mind. Surgery right now doesn't appear to be an option. Doing a little bit of throwing. Anybody else kind of concerned here? Like, how long has it been since he did a lot bit of throwing? Like we all just assume, like, well, Andrew Luck will be fine. And from my perspective, if he's fine, this is a goldmine of a job. Because their personnel hasn't been good, and he's been able to cover up so many of their, their failings as a team throughout the previous regime. Obviously, he hasn't played for this regime at all. He had surgery in January. Oh, listen, he had surgery. Oh, wait, he had surgery in January of 2017, and he's just now throwing a football. A little bit. Like anybody else think you're not getting the whole story there? That maybe Josh McDaniels freaked out because he's like, all right, listen, uh, when we get done with the Super Bowl, love to talk to Andrew Luck, see some tape of him throwing. Like, well, you don't really have tape of him throwing. Why not? Because he's not throwing. Then Belichick and Kraft come in. They're like, hey. I know you're excited to leave. You seen that Andrew Luck tape of him throwing? Like, no, I, I, he doesn't throw. He doesn't throw. Huh. Huh. That's interesting. And you're taking the job because of Andrew Luck. And you don't know if he can throw a football. And as we stated yesterday, the most important thing you can do as quarterback is not run fast. It's throw a football. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. He's a Hall of Famer. Man, that 
That just feels different to say, right? When a guy you've known for 20 years is a Hall of Famer. He's Bill Self. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Bill, thanks so much for taking time. I know you got a super, super busy day. Uh, getting ready for to watch Texas Tech play tonight. You guys play them this weekend. Huge game to decide the Big 12. Uh, l- let me go back to the start of the season. If I were to sit you down and ask you, how do you think it's going to go? And forget about not having Billy Preston and all the other things that have, that have taken place. What would your perception be or maybe perspective be on how this season would play out? Well, you know, it, when the start of the season, we thought we had Billy. So, so uh, you know, we went from being a team that, you know, could play small, but a team that, you know, had a 6'10 and, a, you know, uh, two 6'10 guys on the front line. One of them's so skilled that can play it together so so our, our our thinking was that and and then uh and then we got small real quick whenever uh um uh, uh you know billy was was uh, uh not eligible to compete and so so the situation was you know how, how do we kind of piece it together till we get till we get them back uh and we actually played pretty well early uh we had some good wins and we were a little inconsistent and and then when you're not turned up and you're that small as you know doug you know, then size becomes a, a, a bigger factor, and, and we got whipped on the glass and, and, and didn't play with the same energy, I think, with through a, through a short stretch and, and got our butts beat. Arizona State put it on us pretty good, and Washington beat us in, in Kansas City. and and uh, But we kind of regrouped uh, um, and got it kind of back together, and then, then we didn't play bad, but we didn't play great, you know, early in the in the Big 12 season and, and got beat a couple of times at home. And so, so we put ourselves in a position where where uh, uh, winning the league would be the hardest it's ever been for us to do it. And, and uh, of course, this year, is no, this year going to Texas Tech on Saturday is is a primary reason why because they're so good and they got us at home still. But but it, it, it's been a good year, but it's it's been it's been a, a, a little frustrating because we we've relied too much on if we make shots we're good, if we don't make shots we, we're not as good. And I've always thought the key to winning was making other teams play bad. And so you know hopefully we're we're getting that mindset back a little bit. The last two games we've actually defended very well. It's actually really hard though. Like I talk with the Duke coaches and you know, they, they, they would never say so maybe publicly, but privately they're like, look, part of it is you know, when you have no depth, you know, players aren't dumb. One, they don't want to come out, but two, they understand once you get to the bench, uh, it becomes a completely different ball game. And so, you know, especially a call here, a call there can dramatically change the game. Like you don't want to give kids excuses for not guarding, but sometimes if you don't guard, it allows you to stay on the court longer, which, you know, defeats what you want to do defensively, yep. but it does keep your, your, your best players on the floor, right? So there is kind of that, that pull of, Coach, I want to guard for you. I'd like to play the way Kansas has always played, but if I get called for two fouls and I got to sit down, that hurts the team just as much as not guarding hurts the team. Well, that's exactly right. It's a, it's a fine line. I, I remember when I was at Illinois, and, and you may remember, we had my first year there. We had uh, uh, Brian Cook, uh, Marcus Griffin, Dramir Kapalia, Robert Archibald, uh, Nick Smith. I mean, you, you had you had five guys that are that are certainly you know all kind of the same type players. Uh, Brian was obviously the most talented of of the group, but but you know that that you know between six nine and seven three. And and you could just put them out there and play and 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 usually you you liked it if a guy got two fouls in the first half because that gave you a reason to put the other guys in so nobody could right. be pissed at you after the game because you didn't give them a chance to play. I mean those those were those, those, that's one of the advantages of depth and 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 when you don't have much you know the the whole thing is when you, when you tell your 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 center you know hey don't waste one early or or uh, if you can't if you know you can't get it early you know you go ahead and let them have that one or, or something you know that that's not the right mindset defensively you know defensively say you we're going to get a stop at all cost and and sometimes with no depth you 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 you, you preach it uh, and you say it, but deep down, are you actually enforcing it? And so, uh, I do think that's a good point. I mean, being 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 able to really pressure and get after people without fouling is 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 certainly uh, uh, difficult to do. And so, we kind of backed off uh, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, you know, just to make sure we can keep the our best players in the game. You know, it's it's fascinating to me. Obviously, during this run, um, you talk about this sometimes on how you know the really good years. Obviously, you feel like you can win a national championship, uh, but the the key to it is on the years in which you're not as uh, you're not as talented, you're not as loaded. 
you know, just if you win 25 games um, on a on a quote unquote down year for Kansas, that's kind of the the secret sauce, if you will. Anybody can win 30 when you're you know you're throwing Embiid and and Wig and you know pro after pro out there. That's a year in which you know had you been healthy. Uh, you probably could have won the whole thing. It's it's years like this. So I guess the question is for you. You're in the Hall of Fame. You won a national championship. You won 13 in a row. Is this more or less fun having to piecemeal things, welcoming in D'Souza midseason? Like, it's been different than any. Is it is yeah. it more fun or, or less fun to do it this way? I, 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 well, I'd say winning is the, the most fun. So regardless of the, how you get there, winning is the most fun. But I, I, I would say that this is both. This has been the, 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 the least fun in, in some ways, be, only because I, I felt like that, that we haven't given ourselves the best chance uh, 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 when we haven't been good, um, you know, from an energy standpoint and, and a competitiveness standpoint. Uh, you know, I, I also believe that that it it could be the most fun we've had because when we do that, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's fun to kind of tinker and mess around and 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 do that when you've got four skilled guys around a really good big. I mean, that's also fun. So so uh, I'd say it's been both. It, you know, this is you know this this has been an uh, interesting year in college basketball for a plethora of reasons, and everybody knows that. But 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 certainly on the court, there's just there's just not dominance uh, uh, like we've seen in years past. Now there's some some terrific teams. I mean, you you got you know Michigan State, Villanova, Xavier, Virginia. I mean, there are some terrific teams. But there's there's but there's there's more tre- more there's more good teams. Uh, that have a chance to become terrific than there are actually terrific teams. And, and uh, I certainly think that's what's going to make this tournament so crazy. Devontae's been kind of amazing, right? I mean, here's a kid who, we go back to the story, he was going to App State, he gets out of it, he comes comes to you, and I mean, whatever your level of expectations, uh, I mean, he's exceeded kind of every one of them. And I don't know if people realize averaging seven rebounds a game as a point guard is is crazy. And then what he was able to do uh, defensively la- uh, the other night to Trey Young was was remarkable. Um, you've had some good ones. I know you retired Sharon Collins' number the other night. You used to call him your fat point guard, but you got a lot of mileage out of that fat point guard. Um, oh, he was so good, uh, yeah. I know. Uh, how, how would you, to, to somebody who doesn't see... Devonte day in day out and hasn't seen his growth as a player at Kansas. How how would you kind of explain the Devonte Graham story? Well, you know, he, he Devontae's a good player. He he signed with App State, but but you know, decided to go to prep school because you know he he kind of blew up his senior year after he'd signed, and and uh, fortunately for us, we were able to get him after that. And uh, but but what Devonte is first and foremost is a leader. Uh, you know he's an unbelievable leader last year on, on a team with Josh Jackson and Frank Mason because he deferred to let Frank do his deal and and it wasn't that he wasn't talented enough to do it he's shown signs that he could be the best player on the court any night but but uh, but what what he's done this year though as far as uh, talking taking responsibility for everything coaching uh, uh, and and he has to be the guy to to to, to uh, uh, finish every play with the pass. He forgets very few things off the catch. Most of the stuff he gets is off the bounce because you know he's really the only true creator or passer that we have. You know he, he, we put a lot on his plate, and he's playing forty minutes every game. Uh, uh, I, I thought I thought it was. Uh, uh, I think he's had a fabulous year. Sometimes his stat shooting percentages are off a little bit, but I think a point guard should be judged with one or one stat, and one stat only, and that's just wins and losses. And and he's certainly done a terrific job for us. And the the percentage of of, of defensive possessions in which he he guards, considering how many minutes he's playing, yeah. is is oh, to yeah. me the the remarkable yeah. part. Yeah, he's you know it's it's, it's uh, uh, we were able to take him out the other day when Trey came out. Trey came yes. out for two minutes, so we take him out for two minutes. That, that that's it. That's the only time that he's come out. And and Saturday, he you know he gets a chance to go against you know a guy that I think is definitely a candidate for Big Twelve. Player of the Year in Keenan Evans, and and uh, that should be a fun matchup. That'll be two really tough senior guards that know how to win, getting after each other. Um, the the league, obviously, everybody talks about the depth, uh, but then when the when everybody stepped out of the league and played the ACC, the league didn't fare nearly as well. Yeah. Um, how would you how would you kind of 
and and look, everybody kind of promotes their league and defends their league. And I like, look, obviously, having played in the league and knowing you guys, I have great respect for the league. But how how would you describe this league as opposed to the other teams you have seen? Because you played some of the top teams across the country. How would you describe this league in comparison? I think I think I think our league, our the teams in our league can certainly uh, beat and compete with the best teams in the other leagues. But, but I will say this, and, and this, is, this, is, this is not a, uh, a knock. I, I just think it's a fact. Uh, um, our league is, is so balanced. You know, you can say from top to middle. You can't say top to bottom. You know, top to middle. If, uh, if you can imagine Iowa State and Oklahoma State right now uh, being in, 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 in ninth and tenth place, where, where you, if you plug them into other leagues, you know, they're, they're – I mean, they're definitely fighting for upper half or better uh, uh, in, in in most other leagues. I mean, they've been they're, they're good, and and certainly uh, Oklahoma State wore us out pretty good on our floor. So, so, uh, but but our league does not give the appearance of being top heavy, and and I think the I think usually people equate the best leagues with the ones that are top heavy and bottom heavy. So you get maybe six wins. You know, you're going to go five and zero or six and zero against against maybe the very bottom, uh, which definitely kind of uh, uh, embellishes your record a little bit. And in our league, hey, uh, uh, a 14 and four is guaranteed to win it up outright. 13 and five will, you know, could very easily get a piece of it. And, and you think about, well, the, the, the teams can't be great if they've had that many losses. And, and I, I certainly understand that. And we, when we stepped out of league and played the SEC challenge, uh, you know, they beat a six to four. And, and, but I'm not sure that's a true indication either. I mean, that's, but, but, but I know. Right, because the, you the, cut the out, because some of the bottom teams in that league got, got cut out of that thing, right? Yeah, so. but, but, well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, not excuses. We just didn't perform that day. We didn't have a good day as a league. But the bottom line is, it's, it's also one day too and and so many people make make stuff out of that but 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 they did beat us so so you know they deserve the credit for that but but uh, uh our league is our leagues is 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 the deepest it's ever been and certainly i think it's is the best it's ever been it'll be the hardest uh league that we've ever been in to try to win but i still don't know that we have a a team that would be you know expected or, or predicted uh to go to a final four i mean but we have about four or five teams that if they get hot are capable of getting all the way to San Antonio. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I know that you want to be judged based upon what you do in the NCAA tournament, but this could be a year, for example, which let's say you, you do lose Saturday in Lubbock, right? And you don't win the league. Uh, on the other hand, you could end up going further in the NCAA tournament and someone say, well, you had a great, and, and look, considering the challenges, it would be a great year, right? Simply surviving would be a great year, but how, how do you, how do you balance the postseason success with the regular season success in in a year like this, as opposed to I, I bring up the Embiid year is the is the example to me because had he been healthy, and obviously he wasn't then what he is now, but still a, a dominant presence. Him and Wig, you guys go to the Sweet Sixteen, maybe Final Four with that team, but with an injury, people say, well, you know, Kansas comes up short in the NCAA tournament. You're like, no, 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 that's not really what happened there. How how do you how do you have you found the thought of balancing that this year you might not win the league, but you might go further, and people will, I think, misjudge your season based upon what you do in the postseason. Well, if we go further, I mean, I'd sell out for that right now. There's no question. And I, I, do, I do think your, your, your non-conference is, is pales in comparison and importance to your conference, uh, uh, but I also believe your conference season isn't as important as your postseason. But the one thing that, that we all do, and if you, you, know, you playing in the, in the big I don't know. Were you ever in the Big Twelve, Doug? Or you yeah, just dude, I'm not that old. You're you're old. Okay, okay. I'm not. I'm okay. old-ish. Okay. You're you're old. Okay, so, so you were you were you were in the Big Twelve, but but still, you based your season uh, uh, in 99 percent of all the camps in America going into it on how you do against your peers, how you do against the ones that you know you have to compete against, you have to recruit against, the ones you're going to play twice a year. That, that's how people uh, view their season. I, I don't think people view their seasons. You know, based on uh, well, I got this one opportunity to play a team in November, late November. If we win that game, it's going to be a good year. But people will all say, if we if we you know win a league, it, that's a good year. You cannot take uh, 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 a league championship uh, and say it was not a good year. If you if if you did that, it's a good year regardless of who you are. But in order to make it great. You got to play well in the NCAA tournament, and then in order to make it special, you got to you got to 
live up to every expectation. And, and, and you know, we've done that at times. Uh, uh, coaches, more than anybody, know what the, 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 uh, the expectation should be or that they should have on their team based on they know talent, they know how, how it meshes, they, they, they know the strengths of their team, they know their weaknesses, they, they know how to camouflage them, all those things. And, 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 and for, for fans or whoever to say, well, he had a bad year, they got beat here. That, that, you're right, that's not necessarily a true indication. Or for fans to say, hey, they had a great year, they won this game uh, uh, in advance. You know, that's not really true either. I, I, th- I think the, the biggest thing is you, you just don't put emphasis so much on, on, uh, uh, on, on uh, uh, the immediate result. You put emphasis on the process, as, as, as Joe has said a thousand times, and, and, and let it take care of itself. Uh, uh, I mean, I was with Coach Sutton. You was with Coach Sutton. I don't remember him talking about we got to win this game or we got to do this. No, what we got to do? We got to prepare right and hope like heck it works out. And and uh, uh, but but the emphasis on the NCAA tournament is real. Uh, media has made it that way. It, sh- it should be that way. It's it's crowning a national championship, but that should not take away from regular season success in your conference. All right, last thing. I know you're super busy and you got to go. Um, uh, but I, I'm I'm always fascinated by by changes in in a sport, and I, I feel like we're in the process of a a dramatic change, or maybe some of the changes have been subtle. I mean, the perfect example is you go back to when you were at Tulsa and small ball, like hey, you, you're playing Eric Coley at the four, and you guys go to the Elite Eight, you're one of the top two or three teams in the country. Like you you've always played three guards, and then kind of people kind of came around to it. This year, obviously, you're playing four, you know, out of necessity as much as anything else. Um, additionally, there's been kind of a change in recruiting. Like, look at how many transfers you have. The Lawson boys sitting out. You had Sam Cunliffe, of course, sitting out last year. It, it feels like there's a there's a change, kind of a, almost an evolution in terms of even the top-level programs are having to take transfers because kids, if they don't play immediately, they want to leave. Uh, or they, if they're any good, they go to the NBA. And so you're, you're left with the older teams win, the deeper teams have a tendency to win their leagues, and small ball is the norm, not the exception. What are your thoughts on where college basketball is going, both recruiting and personnel-wise? Well, I, I think I think small ball is a norm, but if you look at last year's two fin- the last year's two finalists, maybe the two biggest teams in America play for the championship. So, so uh, great point. Uh, I, 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 with Gonzaga and Carolina. So, so right. I, I, I do think that that small ball and playing four round one. If you know, if you got a four man that can that can rebound, defend the post, and, and stretch it, shooting a three. You know, you know, in theory, God, that's the perfect scenario. Uh, uh, but, but I, you know, I, there there are things that are changing. The the, the transfers. There's there's more of them. And you you you. Uh, you said some of the reasons, you know, uh, uh, immediate success or, or, or uh, uh, you know, just, you know, going to a place and, and, and you don't you don't pick a school anymore based on this is where I want to get my degree. You pick a school many times, they, hey, this is where I want to go to school because I can play immediately. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that's, that's healthy. Uh, uh, I, I, we have taken some transfers, but the biggest reason why we've taken transfers is not because we've set out to do it, is because we didn't get the primary guys we wanted. And if you don't get the primary guys we wanted, and, and, and you think that the ones you can get aren't difference makers, why wouldn't you consider setting a guy out that could be a difference maker immediately when he becomes eligible? So, so I think there's a there's there's some different philosophies going on, but still the best formula I think is 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 to recruit freshmen, uh, have them be in your program as long as they can be until they are ready to leave, and then immediately when they're ready to leave, obviously if it's one year or three years, you know they need to do so. Yeah, I mean, look what Svee's been able to do staying as a 17-year-old freshman and now matriculating. Look what Devontae's right. been able to do, and they've had marvelous careers. We'll see if it ends in another uh, Big 12 title. I've taken up way too much of your time. Look forward to catching up at your fantasy camp, hopefully beforehand uh, as well. We're going to win the championship this year. I just want you to know I'm loading the team up this year. I've already, well, I'm I've sure already you set, will. I'm, I've already, I'm sure I've already set in place a plan to, to, steal, <laughs> to, to make steals in the draft. We'll, we'll talk soon, okay? Okay, bud. See you, Doug. That's uh, Hall of Famer Bill Self joining us. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He's a Hall of Famer. Man, that that just feels different to say, right? When a guy you've known for 20 years is a Hall of Famer. He's Bill Self. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Bill, thanks so much for taking time. I know you got a super, super busy day. I uh, get ready for to watch Texas Tech play tonight. You guys play him this weekend. Huge game to decide the Big 12. 
Uh, l- let me go back to the start of the season. If I were to sit you down and ask you, how do you think it's going to go? And forget about not having Billy Preston and all the other things that have, that have taken place. What would your perception be or maybe perspective be on how this season would play out? Well, you know, it, when the start of the season, we thought we had Billy. So, so uh, you know, we went from being a team that, you know, could play small, but a team that, you know, had a 6'10 and, a, you know, uh, two 6'10 guys on the front line. One of them is so skilled that can play it together so so our, our our thinking was that and and then uh and then we got small real quick whenever uh um uh, uh you know billy was was uh, uh not eligible to compete and so so the situation was you know how, how do we kind of piece it together till we get up till we get them back uh and we actually played pretty well early uh we had some good wins and we were a little inconsistent and and then when you're not turned up and you're that small as you know doug you know then size becomes a a a bigger factor and and we got whipped on the glass and 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 didn't play with the same energy i think with through a through a short stretch and and got our butts beat arizona state put it on us pretty good and washington beat us in, in kansas city and and uh, but we kind of regrouped uh um and got it kind of back together and then then we didn't play bad but we didn't play great you know early in the in the big 12 season and, and got beat a couple of times at home and so so we put ourselves in a position where where uh winning the league would be the hardest it's ever been for us to do it and, and uh, of course this year's no this year going to texas tech on saturday is is a primary reason why because they're so good and they got us at home still but but it, it it's been a good year but it's it's been it's been a, a a little frustrating because we we've relied too much on if we make shots we're good if we don't make shots we, we're not as good and i've always thought the key to winning was making other teams play bad and so you know hopefully we're, we're getting that mindset back a little bit the last two games we've actually defended very well it's actually really hard, though. Like, I talk with the Duke coaches, and, you know, they, they, they would never say so maybe publicly, but privately, they're like, look, part of it is, you know, when you have no depth, you know, players aren't dumb. One, they don't want to come out, but two, they understand once you get to the bench, uh, it becomes a completely different ball game. And so, you know, especially a call here, a call there can dramatically change the game. Like, you don't want to give kids excuses for not guarding, but sometimes if you don't guard, it allows you to stay on the court longer, which, you know, defeats what you want to do defensively, yep. but it does keep your, your, your best players on the floor, right? So there is kind of that, that pull of, Coach, I want to guard for you. I'd like to play the way Kansas has always played, but if I get called for two fouls and I got to sit down, that hurts the team just as much as not guarding hurts yep. the team. Well, that's exactly right. It's a, it's a fine line. I, I remember when I was at Illinois, and, and you may remember, we had my first year there. We had uh, uh, Brian Cook, uh, Marcus Griffin, Dramir Kapalia, Robert Archibald, uh, Nick Smith. I mean, you, you had you had five guys that are that are certainly you know all kind of the same type players. Uh, Brian was obviously the most talented of of the group, but but you know that that you know between six nine and seven three. And and you could just put them out there and play, and 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 usually you you liked it if a guy got two fouls in the first half because that gave you a reason to put the other guys in, so nobody could be pissed at you after the game because you didn't give them a chance to play. I mean, those those were those, those, that's one of the advantages of depth, and 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 when you don't have much, you know the the whole thing is when you, when you tell your 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 center, you know, hey, don't waste one early, or or uh, if you can't if you know you can't get it early, you know, you go ahead and let them have that one or, or something, you know, that that's not the right mindset defensively, you know, defensively say you we're going to get a stop at all cost, and and sometimes with no depth, you 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 you, you preach it. Uh, and you say it, but deep down, are you actually enforcing it? And so, uh, I do think that's a good point. I mean, being 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 able to really pressure and get after people without fouling is 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 certainly uh, uh, difficult to do. And so, we kind of backed off uh, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, you know, just to make sure we can keep the our best players in the game. You know, it's it's fascinating to me. Obviously, during this run, um, you talk about this sometimes on how you know the really good years. Obviously, you feel like you can win a national championship, uh, but the the key to it is on the years in which you're not as uh, you're not as talented, you're not as loaded. 
you know, just if you win 25 games um, on a on a quote unquote down year for Kansas, that's kind of the the secret sauce, if you will. Anybody can win 30 when you're you know you're throwing Embiid and and Wig and you know pro after pro out there. That's a year in which you know had you been healthy. Uh, you probably could have won the whole thing. It's it's years like this. So I guess the question is for you. You're in the Hall of Fame. You won a national championship. You won 13 in a row. Is this more or less fun having to piecemeal things, welcoming in D'Souza midseason? Like, it's been different than any. Is it is yeah. it more fun or, or less fun to do it this way? I, 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 well, I'd say winning is the the most fun. So regardless of the, how you get there, winning is the most fun. But I, I, I would say th- this is both. This has been the 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 the, the least fun in in some ways, be- only because I, I felt like that that we haven't given ourselves the best chance uh, 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 when we haven't been good. Um, you know, from an energy standpoint and and a competitiveness standpoint. Uh, you know, I, I also believe that that it it could be the most fun we've had because when we do that, I mean, it, it you know, it, it's fun to kind of tinker and mess around and 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 do that when you've got four skilled guys around a really good big. I mean, that's also fun. So so uh, I'd say it's been both. It, you know, this is you know this this has been a, a interesting year in college basketball for a plethora of reasons, and everybody knows that. But 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 certainly on the court, there's just there's just not dominance uh, uh, like we've seen in years past. Now there's some some terrific teams. I mean, you you got you know Michigan State, Villanova, Xavier, Virginia. I mean, there are some terrific teams. But there's there's but there's there's more tre- more there's more good teams. Uh, that have a chance to become terrific than there are actually terrific teams. And, and uh, I certainly think that's what's going to make this tournament so crazy. Devontae's been kind of amazing, right? I mean, here's a kid who, we go back to the story, he was going to App State, he gets out of it, he comes comes to you, and I mean, whatever your level of expectations, uh, I mean, he's exceeded kind of every one of them. And I don't know if people realize averaging seven rebounds a game as a point guard is is crazy. And then what he was able to do uh, defensively uh, the other night to Trey Young was was remarkable. Um, you've had some good ones. I know you retired Sharon Collins' number the other night. You used to call him your fat point guard, but you got a lot of mileage out of that fat point guard. Um, oh, he was so good, uh, yeah. I know. Uh, how, how would you, to, to somebody who doesn't see... Devonte day in day out and hasn't seen his growth as a player at Kansas. How how would you kind of explain the Devonte Graham story? Well, you know, he, he Devonte's a good player. He's he signed with App State, but but you know, decided to go to prep school because you know he he kind of blew up his senior year after he'd signed, and and uh, fortunately for us, we were able to get him after that. And uh, but but what Devonte is first and foremost is a leader. Uh, you know he's an unbelievable leader last year on on a team with Josh Jackson and Frank Mason because he deferred to let Frank do his deal and and it wasn't that he wasn't talented enough to do it he's shown signs that he could be the best player on the court any night but but uh, but what what he's done this year though as far as uh, talking taking responsibility for everything coaching. Uh, uh, and and he has to be the guy to to to, to uh, uh, finish every play with the pass. He forgets very few things off the catch. Most of the stuff he gets is off the bounce because you know he's really the only true creator or passer that we have. You know he, he, we put a lot on his plate. and He's playing forty minutes every game. Uh, uh, I, I thought I thought it was. Uh, uh, I think he's had a fabulous year. Sometimes his stat shooting percentages are off a little bit, but I think a point guard should be judged with one or one stat, and one stat only, and that's just wins and losses. And and he's certainly done a terrific job for us. And the the percentage of of, of defensive possessions in which he he guards, considering how many minutes he's playing, yeah. is is oh, to yeah. me the the remarkable yeah. part. Yeah, he's you know it's it, it's uh, uh, we were able to take him out the other day when Trey came out. Trey came yes. out for two minutes, so we take him out for two minutes. That, that that's it. That's the only time that he's come out. And and Saturday, he you know he gets a chance to go against you know a guy that I think is definitely a candidate for Big Twelve. Player of the Year and Keenan Evans, and and uh, that should be a fun matchup. That'll be two really tough senior guards that know how to win, getting after each other. Um, the the league, obviously, everybody talks about the depth, uh, but then when the when everybody stepped out of league and played the ACC, the league didn't fare nearly as well. Yeah. Um, how would you how would you kind of 
and and look, everybody kind of promotes their league and defends their league. And like, look, obviously, having played in the league and knowing you guys, I have great respect for the league. But how how would you describe this league as opposed to the other teams you have seen? Because you played some of the top teams across the country. How would you describe this league in comparison? I think I think I think our league, our the teams in our league can certainly uh, beat and compete with the best teams in the other leagues. But, but I will say this, and, and this, is, this, is, this is not a, uh, a knock. I, I just think it's a fact. Uh, uh, our league is, is so balanced. You know, you can say from top to middle. You can't say top to bottom. You know, top to middle. If, uh, if you can imagine Iowa State and Oklahoma State right now uh, being in, 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 in ninth and tenth place, where, where you, if you plug them into other leagues, you know, they're, they're – I mean, they're definitely fighting for upper half or better uh, uh, in, in in most other leagues. I mean, they've been they're, they're good, and and certainly uh, Oklahoma State wore us out pretty good on our floor. So, so, uh, but but our league does not give the appearance of being top heavy, and and I think the I think usually people equate the best leagues with the ones that are top heavy and bottom heavy. So you get maybe six wins, you know, you're going to go five and zero or six and zero against against maybe the very bottom, uh, uh, which definitely kind of uh, uh, embellishes your record a little bit. And in our league, hey, uh, uh, a 14 and four is guaranteed to win it up outright. 13 and five will, you know, could very easily get a piece of it. And, and you think about, well, the, the, the teams can't be great if they've had that many losses. And, and I, I certainly understand that. And we, when we stepped out of league and played the SEC challenge, uh, you know they beat a six to four, and, and but I'm not sure that's a true indication either. I mean that's but 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 I know right because the, the, you cut out because some of the bottom teams in that league got got cut out of that thing, right? Yeah, so. but, but well, I don't know. I, I I mean not excuses. We just didn't perform that day. We didn't have a good day as a league. But the bottom line is it's it's also one day too, and and so many people make make stuff out of that. But 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 they did beat us, so so you know they deserve the credit for that. But but uh, uh, our league is our leagues is 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 the deepest it's ever been, and certainly. I think it's as the best it's ever been. It'll be the hardest uh, league that we've ever been in to try to win. But I still don't know that we have a, a team that would be, you know, expected or, or predicted uh, to go to a Final Four. I mean, but we have about four or five teams that if they get hot are capable of getting all the way to San Antonio. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I know that you want to be judged based upon what you do in the NCAA tournament. But this could be a year, for example, which let's say you, you do lose Saturday in Lubbock, right? And you don't win the league. Uh, on the other hand, you could end up going further in the NCAA tournament and someone say, well, you had a great... And, and look, considering the challenges, it would be a great year, right? Simply surviving would be a great year. But h- how, do you, how do you balance the postseason success with the regular season success in, in a year like this, as opposed to, I, I bring up the Embiid year is the, is the example to me, because had he been healthy, and obviously he wasn't then what he is now, but still a, a dominant presence, him and Wig, you guys go to the Sweet 16, maybe Final Four with that team. But with an injury, people say, well, you know, Kansas comes up short in the NCAA tournament. You're like, no, 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 that's not really what happened there. How, how do you, how do you, have you found the thought of balancing that this year you might not win the league, but you might go further, and people will, I think, misjudge your season based upon what you do in the postseason. Well, if we go further, I mean, I'd sell out for that right now. There's no question. And I, I, do, I do think your, your, your non-conference is, is pales in comparison and importance to your conference, uh, uh, but I also believe your conference season isn't as important as your postseason. But the one thing that, that we all do, and if you you know you play in the in the big I don't know. Were you ever in the Big Twelve, Doug? Or you yeah, just dude, I'm not that old. You're you're old. Okay, okay. I'm not. I'm okay. old-ish. Okay. You're you're old. Okay, so, so you were you were you were in the Big Twelve, but but still, you based your season uh, uh, in 99 percent of all the camps in America going into it on how you do against your peers, how you do against the ones that you know you have to compete against, you have to recruit against, the ones you're going to play twice a year. That that's how people. Uh, view their season. I don't think people view their seasons, you know, based on uh, well, I got this one opportunity to play a team in no- late November. If we win that game, it's going to be a good year. But people will all say if we if we you know win a league, it, that's a good year. You cannot take uh, 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 a league championship uh, and say it was not a good year. If you if if you did that, it's a good year regardless of who you are. But in order to make it great, 
you got to play well in the NCAA tournament. And then in order to make it special, you got to you got to live up to every expectation. And 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 you know we've done that at times. Uh, uh, coaches more than anybody know what the 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 uh, the expectation should be or that they should have on their team based on they know talent they know how how it meshes they 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 know the strengths of their team they know their weaknesses they they know how to camouflage them all those things and 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 for for fans or whoever to say well he had a bad year they got beat here that that you're right that's not necessarily a true indication or for fans to say hey they had a great year they won this game uh, uh, in advance, you know that's not really true either. I, I, th- I think the the biggest thing is you, you just don't put emphasis so much on on uh, uh, on on uh, uh, the immediate result. You put emphasis on the process, as, as, as Joe has said a thousand times, and 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 let it take care of itself. Uh, uh, I mean, I was with Coach Sutton. You was with Coach Sutton. I don't remember him talking about we got to win this game or we got to do this. No, what we got to do? We got to prepare right and hope like heck it works out. And and uh, uh, but but the emphasis on the NCAA tournament is real. Uh, media has made it that way. It, sh- it should be that way. It's it's crowning a national championship, but that should not take away from regular season success in your conference. All right, last thing. I know you're super busy and you got to go. Um, uh, but I, I'm I'm always fascinated by by changes in in a sport, and I, I feel like we're in the process of a a dramatic change, or maybe some of the changes have been subtle. I mean, the perfect example is. You go back to when you were at Tulsa and small ball, like, hey, you're playing Eric Coley at the four, and you guys go to the Elite Eight, you're one of the top two or three teams in the country. Like, you, you've you always played three guards, and then kind of people kind of came around to it. This year, obviously, you're playing four, you know, out of necessity as much as anything else. Um, additionally, there's been kind of a change in recruiting. Like, look at how many transfers you have. The Lawson boys sitting out. You had Sam Cunliffe, of course, sitting out last year. It, it feels like there's a there's a change, kind of a, almost an evolution in terms of even the top level programs are having to take transfers because kids, if they don't play immediately, they want to leave, uh, or they if they're any good, they go to the NBA, and so you're you're left with the older teams win, the deeper teams have a tendency to win their leagues, and small ball is the norm, not the exception. What are your thoughts on where college basketball is going, both recruiting and personnel wise? Well, I think I think small ball is a norm, but if you look at last year's two fin- the last year's two finalists, maybe the two biggest teams in America play for the championship. So, so uh, great point. Uh, I, I, I with Gonzaga and Carolina. So, so right. I, I I do think that that small ball and playing four round one. If you know if you got a four man that can that can rebound, defend the post, and, and stretch it shooting a three. You know, you know, in theory, God, that's the perfect scenario. Uh, uh, but. But you know, I, there there are things that are changing. The the, the transfers, there's there's more of them. And you 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 uh, you said some of the reasons. You know, uh, uh, immediate success or or, or uh, uh, you know just you know going to a place and, and and you don't you don't pick a school anymore based on this is where I want to get my degree. You pick a school many times. Hey, hey, this is where I want to go to school because I can play immediately. And uh, you know, I'm not sure that that's that's healthy. Uh, uh, I, I, we have taken some transfers, but the biggest reason why we've taken transfers is not because we've set out to do it, is because we didn't get the primary guys we wanted. And if you don't get the primary guys we wanted, and, and, and you think that the ones you can get aren't difference makers, why wouldn't you consider setting a guy out that could be a difference maker immediately when he becomes eligible? So, so I, I think there's a there's there's some different philosophies going on, but still the best formula I think is 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 to recruit freshmen, uh, have them be in your program as long as they can be until they are ready to leave, and then immediately when they're ready to leave, obviously if it's one year or three years, you know they need to do so. Yeah, I mean, look what Svee's been able to do staying as a 17-year-old freshman and now matriculating. Look what Devontae's been able to do, and they've had marvelous careers. We'll see if it ends in another uh, Big 12 title. I've taken up way too much of your time. Look forward to catching up at your fantasy camp, hopefully beforehand uh, as well. We're going to win the championship this year. I just want you to know I'm loading the team up this year. I've already, well, I'm I've already sure set, I'm, I've already, I'm sure I've already set in place a plan to, to, steal, <laughs> to, to make steals in the draft. We'll, we'll talk soon, okay? Okay, bud. See you, Doug. That's uh, Hall of Famer Bill Self joining us. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code Doug. That's Doug, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.